Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Haj Assad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. I really appreciate it, and my good friend here, Ben, really appreciates it. And I'll reiterate, he is, as am I, a automotive journalist. This is this is your chance to listen to some real automotive journalists spilling the spilling the tea, right? It's like you got to stop saying journalists. I mean, it's, it's starting to be it's verges on parody. Um, in fact, you can find our work all over the internet. I'm going to ask Ben to tell you. Um, where you can find his latest bylines. Go for it, Ben. Sure, you can find my work at Motor Trend, at Car and Driver, at Driving Line, and at Inside Hook. And you can find my work at Autotrader.ca, Driving.ca, Automotive News, and TechSpot. Ben, we've got some cars to talk about today. Actually, you've got a truck to talk about today, which every time I hear its name, I just, I can't help but laugh a little bit. Tell me all about the Sierra Denali Ultimate from GMC. Yeah, so funny story about the Denali. Two years ago, GM came out with brand new versions of both the Silverado and the Sierra. And it was immediately clear that mistakes had been made. Um, The trucks, they they still had great drivetrains. The platform was pretty solid, but the interiors were well out of step with the rest of the market. And I don't just mean the average interior, Sammy. I mean the Denali, which is, had in, invented luxury trucks back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Actually, it's funny. The first Denali or the first luxurious Sierra, it was called like the C3, I believe. And it was only available for one year. And Such a sexy name, C3. <laughs> what is sexy about C3? Oh, it's so nice. <laughs> okay. It's like half of the name of your favorite Star Wars droid. I, I guess. <laughs> and once you start thinking about that gold android, you can't help but think about cool trucks, right? So the Sierra C3, it came out in 2001, and it was... It had decent power. It, it looked like a street truck. It was slick. It had like a plastic bumper and stuff. And it was loaded with pretty much every feature you could get on the Sierra. And then uh, I believe that the 2002 was when Denali came out. I'm checking that out right now. Okay. Just to make sure. I believe you. Um, and this, the C3 was testing the waters for what the Denali became. And the Denali itself as a brand was super successful. Like yeah. they essentially – they took all their luxury gear and, and a nicer interior, just nicer trim. They put it inside one model for almost all of the GMC lineup at this point. And I, I remember five, five or six years ago being at the launch of some Denali product of some kind. And they were saying that the Denali brand alone outsells like Porsche, Land Rover, Jaguar, and like two other luxury brands combined. Which, you know, those are small volume brands and they're not selling yeah. trucks. But you get the picture, right? Like it's been yeah, yeah. a big success for GMC. So uh, when when the 2020 redesign happened, the Denali model was horrendous. And I mean... What do you mean by horrendous? How horrendous could something be? I mean, plasticky interior, not really all that different from the standard Sierra, and nowhere up to the standards that have been set by vehicles like the Ram 1500 Limited, or even, I I guess, what's the Platinum now for the F-150? These these were trucks that had legitimately nice detailing inside, a whole raft of features, and 
just felt like they were better put together than the Sierra Denali. And it was a shock to me because GMC hadn't dropped the ball like that in a long time. Like the Denali had been at the top or at least competitive with top market luxury trucks for decades. And then this happened. And Sammy, what happens when a car company stumbles, right? They have a choice to make. They either uh, roll with it and double down on, on the next generation product or... They do an emergency refresh and, uh, and and panic, really. That's exactly it, because they've just spent hundreds of millions of dollars redoing the truck, right? Yeah. This this is, we've talked about on the show before, what happened with the Honda Civic in the late 2000s, like in this 2010 or 2012, I can't remember when, it, maybe 2012. So in the compact segment, um, all of a sudden, everything was luxurious. Like, you could get really nice compact well, cars. I would call them premium, not luxury. Okay, premium. But you could get features that you would never would have thought you would get in a compact car uh, in something like a Chevrolet Cruze or a Corolla. You know, mm-hmm. you could get really nice gear. And and Honda, this is a period where the whole market was coming out of the recession, right? And they thought that people were going to be wanting cost-cutting uh, stripped down cars that they could get for cheap. So when they redesigned the Civic, they built a really cheap Civic and yeah. they released it at the same time as all everyone else going, was going up market and nobody wanted to buy it. And no. it was a big panic moment. And I can't remember the exact model year, but within two years, there was a new Civic that came out that corrected all of those problems. So GMC took a page out of... Well, they're having what, their Civic moment. They're having their Civic moment. And not just wow. GMC because the Silverado was also redesigned in that same period. And uh, we'll talk about the Silverado in in the ensuing weeks because I'm going to be driving that as well. But just focusing on the Denali, the the whole strategy has changed. So the Denali is still in the mix, but it's not the most luxurious truck anymore. It's not even the most expensive or the second most expensive Sierra you can buy. So now the Denali is like it's a the standard Denali comes with a 5.3 liter V8. It has a much nicer interior than it used to. But if you want to spend more money, you can get the AT4X, which is the, you know, the off-road special Sierra. And then on top of that, for like $83,000, which which is a lot more than the Denali. I just want to point that out. Yeah. You can get uh you can get the Denali Ultimate. That's so pricey. Yes. Okay, what, what, wow. What is a Denali Ultimate going to give you? What is the deal here? Okay, so all the Sierras. Is there a deal here? Like, that's the real question. Are we just getting, like, is this a, what's the play? I'm going to, I'm going to shock you a little bit more before I tell you what the Denali gives you. Because, um, I, (laughs) if, if you're, if you're starting to price this truck and you're looking around the market and you're like, hmm. I wonder what else I could get for my money. Well, I can tell you. For 80 grand, I can get whatever I want. Half so the, the, time. the base Denali is 67,000 for a short box two-wheel drive crew cab. The Denali Ultimate is 83, mm-hmm. which comes with a uh all four-wheel drive is standard, but that's $25,000 more than last year's Denali starting yeah. price. So for 83 grand, you can get uh the only trucks on the market that are more expensive then the Denali Ultimate or the Ford F-150 Lightning Platinum, which is 90... 90- all-electric, kind of like niche automobile. Yeah, which is a... For a, early adopters. And it's yeah. the super expensive version. It's $96,000. Yeah. And then GMC actually has the Hummer EV, which starts at 87000 So that's four grand more than the Denali oh, Ultimate. Yeah. But the, the, the Denali is... The Ultimate version is... But six- those are two toys. Those are two kind of like toys. They're not... 
I don't know if I would characterize them as toys, but it, it is $16,000 more than the Ram 1500 Limited, which is a very nice truck. It's, it's, it's more expensive than the Lightning Lariat EV. It is more expensive than the F-150 Raptor and the Ram TRX. Whoa. Like that is where GMC has decided to put this truck. And I want to point out, unlike every single vehicle I just mentioned, with the exception of the Ram 1500, it doesn't have any special trick focus, right? Like it's not an EV and yeah. it's not a hot rod off-road vehicle. Yeah. Yet it's more I, expensive. I love the price tag of this car because to me, when I think about pickup trucks, $80,000 is at least twice the price of a regular pickup truck that I would get. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, in your mind. Like, in the yeah. real world, that truck does not exist. <laughs> like, the Sammy had just had special pickup. Yeah, That is I a fantasy so. at this point. I guess so. So, what do you, you asked me, what do you get? So what I'll are you, you getting? 80 grand sounds like a lot of money. It needs to be way more impressive than a... Than a than anything else. Like, I don't know. GMC has stepped up with a much, much, much nicer cabin. Um, Really? Yes. This this has got to be Cadillac grade. It is, I would say it's very close to Cadillac grade, but it is light years away from the terrible cabin that we had in the previous half generation truck, whatever you want to call it. Even they just stumbled so that whatever progress they make in the neck, in the refresh seems like a, like a light year, right? No, you wouldn't do that because the refresh came two years later. And in the world of uh, full-size trucks, there's so many billions of dollars in profit at stake because this is the bread and butter for these companies, right? Yeah. So they, they can't afford to mess this up. And the trucks were not competitive. So, I mean, okay. the, the the previous Sierra Denali did not even have adaptive cruise control. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> joking. It did not have adaptive cruise control. So, anyway... The interior is a, a product that you can get in a car for a quarter of the price. Yeah. The interior is much nicer. The dashboard design has given way from the cheap plasticky look that it had before to a very nice, well-designed touchscreen with a lot of t- with a lot of hard buttons and knobs and a nice uh, driver display that, you know, has all the um has all the customization that you would want. Uh but more importantly, the Denali Ultimate has some seriously nice leather and wood all throughout the interior. And I mean everywhere. Like, pretty much anywhere you're going to touch inside this truck feels good. And it's one of the few vehicles I've driven in the last little while where all of the armrests were well-positioned. There were multiple places where nice. I could put my arms on both sides. Um, all of your arms. All of my – all eight arms to hold you, Sammy. <laughs> they all had a place inside the Sierra Denali Ultimate. Uh, the, the wood trim – has the topographical map of Denali, the mountain Denali, on it, etched into the dash. It's Mm. also etched into a few places on the leather. The leather is a higher grade than what you would get in the regular Denali. And overall, it just really feels like a luxury truck in a way that the the Denali hadn't for quite a while. That's that's not all you're getting, though. Because remember I mentioned there's the new infotainment and the new dash display? Yes. You also get a 15-inch head-up display, which nobody needs, <laughs> but is in this truck. I mean, I love head-up displays. I think 15 inches, much, Sammy. Yo, but you you know me. I like gauge clusters. I like digital gauge clusters. But now digital gauge clusters are getting overwhelming. There's way too much stuff going on on digital gauge. Clusters. So you want to move that out over the hood so you <laughs> potentially can't see what's coming in front of you. Yeah, exactly. My idea is always have more information available to me, and it's up to me whether or not I look at it. And by putting it in a head-up display, I can't avoid it. It's uh, it's the the head-up display is kind of funny for this truck because it's 15 inches, but 
it has like three or four different modes. So the one I use the most is the one that just showed speed and like the speed limit sign, which is over on one side. And it's, you know, it's, you have a 15 inch head up display and you have two items that I, I would say conservatively take up three inches. Yeah, exactly. Cause that's all I need. I don't, I don't need to be overwhelmed like you do. But you, if you want to be overwhelmed, you can add stuff like this, like this, the self-driving stuff will show up there, like driver's assistance. And also okay. um, it has a tilt meter and all that off-road stuff, like gauges you would normally see on the dashboard. Oh, yeah. Get when I take my eighty grand, my $80,000 truck off-roading. <laughs> well, that's, it's funny because that's the only setting that really uses the full breadth of the 15 inches. Right. Um, in any case, uh, the... The funny, the 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 other really high end technology that the Sierra Denali Ultimate comes with is um, Super Cruise. Woo! Finally, which yes. is yes, put Super Cruise in everything. Yes. So Super Cruise is the hands. <laughs> Maybe that's why it costs eighty grand. It's the hands free driving system from GM that has you know started out in Cadillac and is starting to show up in other places in the General Motors lineup, but it is legitimately a feature that no other pickup on the market can match. And it is the best uh, driver's aid that's out there. It, it, uh, the reasons I like it are because it relies on hyper-accurate mapping in addition to sensors. So yep. it's very good at staying in its lane, at knowing where you are, and at not doing crazy stuff. Um, the GMC one, it, 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 you can use a trailer with it if you want wow, to. Oh, really? Yes, and it will also automatically change lanes for you with a trailer. Whoa, so if you pull up okay. behind, if you pull up behind slow traffic, it will look. Make sure there's nothing on either side of you, whichever I guess the left lane is where you'd want to be, and it will pull out, make the pass, and then pull back in. The other aspect of Super Cruise that makes it, you know, head and shoulders above the rest is the giant light that's etched into the steering wheel. So when it's active, there's like a green band on the steering wheel at the top that tells you it's working, and when it's not working, it yep. flashes red, and it'll flash other colors when it changes state. You cannot miss it. It's not like all those other systems where it's like a little icon in the dash and it flickers and it's gone and suddenly you're in a snowbank. Like this is this is something that every single car company should be taking their cues from. Um, it is very, very well designed. It, it integrates human the human factor perfectly into the driving assist. And it's, it's something that you won't find it for. Like they have Blue Cruise, which doesn't work nearly as well. And uh, no other competitor has anything that comes close. No, of course not. I love the um, the driver monitoring feature of it. It makes me feel uh, both a, a, as a user and as somebody who knows that other people will be using it. I think it makes me feel like the system is is vetted, like it it knows what it's looking for and knows how to ensure that people are safe on the road. I think that makes sense. Yeah, um, um, that is a huge element here, but maybe that is why these vehicles cost so much. Um, and again, another reason I would be terrified to take this car off road and damage up one of those sensors or, or something like that. There's some other, uh, there's some other stuff about the truck. That's a little different compared to the regular Denali. So, you know, GM has their carbon fiber cargo bed that you can get. Mm -hmm. So if you want, that also seems unnecessary. Well, I, I agree that it's unnecessary, but if you want it on the Denali ultimate, it's a $115 option, which is not that much. If you want it on the regular Denali, it's a thousand dollars. It's actually eleven hundred twenty-five dollars because buying that package means you also have to get something called the Carbon Pro Edition, and that adds like some other styling stuff to the truck. Plus, you have to buy the tailgate sound system, which is already included with like the Denali Ultimate. So it's it's kind of a weird options bundling thing that that it works. So um, you can get Super Cruise on the regular Denali too if you want. 
But it's uh, I tried Dude. auctioning up a regular Denali to be similar in features to the Denali Ultimate, and there's still a pretty big price gap. It's about $10,000, and there's features you can't get. Like the Denali Ultimate, it comes standard with the turbo diesel engine from G- from okay. GMC. But if you want the 6.2 V8, which is what I had, 420 horsepower, 460 pound-feet of torque, that's $2,500 more. You can't get either of those motors with the regular Denali. It's like 5.3, and that's it. So um, they've created some space between those two models. As to whether this truck is worth $83,000, I don't think so. I think the pricing is maybe a mistake, but it is a much, much better truck than it used to be. That is, um, that's good to hear. 100% that's, a, that's an improvement um, over what it used to be. And I think that's where they're, what they're going for. Do you think people are going to be buying an eighty thousand dollar truck truck like this? People are already buying eighty thousand dollar trucks. Oh. Uh, there, there's lots of like uh, these the super duty trucks from Ford, the HD trucks from GMC. Those are very expensive, and if you're buying a Denali or a Lariat or a, um, a Platinum of that, then you're or, or even a Limited from Ram, you're easily able to option past eighty thousand. So yes, I think people will buy it. I don't think people will be disappointed whether they're going to buy it in the current environment with interest rates the way they are and loans changing and that kind of thing. I don't know. GM can't control any of that. They built this truck. It came out. Interest rates went through the roof. Who knows what's going to happen, right? Yeah. Would you recommend it? Like, is this the the luxury truck to get? The luxe truck to get? I still really like what the Ram Limited has to offer. Yeah, because we say that every time. But it doesn't a, have Super Cruise. No, but it's $16,000 cheaper to start out with. Super Cruise or Carbon Fiber. Um, the, the engine in the, in this pickup is great. Uh, the 10 speed automatic, I had some, you know, a little bit of roughness at low RPM in some of the higher gears. And it's something I've noticed in this 10 speed, whether I'm driving a Ford or whether I'm driving a GM, I didn't have the issue in a Cadillac, uh, mm-hmm. using the same transmission. So I don't know if it's a tuning thing, but that's something to keep in mind, but power is good. It'll tow like almost 12,000 pounds. And it's funny because the V8 tows more than the, um, the diesel, even though they have the same amount of torque. But the um, as to whether I would recommend it, it's really hard to say. I mean, the Super Cruise is a killer feature, and the interior leather is super nice, and the design is super nice. But this is a whole lot of money to pay for a truck, Sammy. Yeah, I don't get it. I scrutinize my choice of pasta at the at the grocery store, and like a dollar difference makes it like a fifty cents difference makes it for me, makes or breaks it for me. There are people spending eighty grand on trucks. Um, that throws me for a loop, man. Like that's a lot. That that's crazy to me. I used to think trucks were utilitarian, um, needed to fulfill a, a certain task, and gotten bigger and a little bit more um, approachable for family family use. But now at eighty thousand dollars, you're beyond, um, I think, a, a reasonably practical vehicle, and you're looking into something that is supposed to be in the luxury space. That that is to say, it's supposed to make other people stop and pay attention to you. I, I think it's a good-looking truck. I mean, they, they the other part of the – in terms of people stopping and paying attention – And make you feel special. Another yeah. aspect of the design I didn't mention is the front end. The, the rear is, is completely the same. They didn't make any yeah. changes, which is a little unfortunate because I find that that multi-pro tailgate or how, whatever they call it is very busy visually. Hmm. There's like a lot of weird batching going on. But the front end, they totally changed the lights – and it looks a lot better. They did a very nice job with the LEDs, and uh, it's just integrated into the front end a, a lot nicer. The grill is also somewhat different, but the, the truck is just enormous. Like you know, driving it around, it's it's really a big deal. 
Um, the the other aspect of the truck that is different from, say, Ford or, or Ram, it has magnetic ride control, which is a, a thoroughly excellent shock absorber system that yes. you know reads the road a thousand times a second and it reacts to driving conditions in real time. Unfortunately, it's paired with leaf springs in the back. The Ram comes with uh, the the coil springs. I find the Ram handles better in a world where we're comparing the handling of mm. giant full size trucks. The, by handles better, do you mean like it's more responsive or it's more – it's like more comfortable? Or it's more or, controlled. Or, the rear end is more controlled. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it, you can also get an air suspension with the Ram. You can't get that with the, the GM and I get that because their big thing is the magnetic ride control. Yeah. So I, I don't just don't think they have that uh, paired. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, actually that's not true because I think you can get air suspension with the Escalade which has magnetic ride control. I, I looked into it. I, I wasn't able to order a Denali Ultimate with air suspension or find any mention of it. So it's just not possible. So if you want things like adjustable ride height, you're not going to get that with this truck. So it's kind of like a trade-off in the suspension department. Okay. Um, you're into this? Do you think there, this is where we're at right now? If you if you have $80,000 to spend on a truck, it's either going to be an electric um, pickup truck or this thing? No, I don't think so. I think that there's a lot of options at that price point because you can also okay. get, like I said, a TRX or a Raptor for maybe like five or six. Oh, yeah, or less. an off-road. Yes, or an off-road model. So I think a lot of people who – you were mentioning people are going to look at you and think you're special and different. A lot of people take that attitude when they look at like a Raptor. Yes, absolutely. So um, It's intimidating. It's, it's like, wow, look at that. Yeah, those um, are really out there trucks as well. So this is – a very specific customer, but I think probably a broader customer than a, an off-road mm-hmm. vehicle. And, mm-hmm. and also, I think that's a great. I think that's a great approach. And and you know, GM mm-hmm. Chevrolet has made a ZR2 version of the Silverado, which I'm going to be talking about on next week's podcast. And it's an interesting contrast to the Raptor and the TRX in terms of over-the-top off-road trucks. Okay, cool. I'm looking forward to that. And I've come around a little bit more on the on this uh, topic. I wouldn't spend eighty grand on a pickup truck. That's just me, but. Um, I think that the people who will might be um, really decently served by something like this. And, you know, the people who will also might be doing it for business purposes and they get a bigger tax write-off. So that's something to consider as well. There's got to be limits to that. Sammy, there's no there's no limits to the <laughs> tax write-offs you can take. Um, that's another podcast. That is a that's different my, podcast. That's the park- podcast I host on the dark web. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't tell course. anyone about <clears throat> Um, anything else you want to add about this truck? Anything you want to talk about? Any comments you made or or, or had? Or is it still? Oh, no, no one incre- talks to you when you drive a pickup truck. <laughs> is just... it still incredibly tall and you can't see people in front of you? Yes, this is very much that. <laughs> it's so wild. It's very much too big. And I, I grew up driving pickup trucks, and I find the current crop of full size trucks too large for comfort. And I don't mean too large. We're living co- our childhood dreams of of driving monster trucks. Okay? I don't I don't mean too large for the city. I just mean too large. Like these are too large. Anyway. <laughs> we're I seriously believe we're living our childhood dreams of driving monster no, trucks. No, because I've been driving Grave Digger. Great <laughs> I've been like Bigfoot all day, every day. Alright. Um I had some time in the past week to drive a new Hyundai Ionic five. Okay. We've tra- we've, yes. I was going to say, should I, not talk about, like a, should I not talk like a robot next time I mention it? We've talked about this vehicle many, many times, but what really interests me about what you did with it is how badly things went <laughs> when you were trying to do the simplest of tasks. Yes. And so, no no fault of the Ionic. We're, we're talking about the tasks themselves. Yeah. The the point of my of my uh, loan, my media loan, my, my press drive was to take a look at some of the um, DC fast charging stations that are in our in my neighborhood, not even in my neighborhood, around me. I would I even traveled, you know, about 
uh, 60 miles to one way to get to a charger and, and see how it's how it's going. DC fast charging is um, a new thing, I, su- I suppose, in the world of, of electric vehicles. I think anyone who's probably made the jump to electric vehicles knows all about DC fast charging, but everyone else on the planet might not know what, what's going on. And the concept of fast charging your electric vehicle might sound really cool and, and great on paper, but in reality, it is such a mixed bag. And I really wonder if anybody has ever tried to do what I did, which is I took it to, in, in the span of a week, I tested out 10 DC fast chargers. Um, and uh, I had some really weird experiences. And, and I, I want to point out that to, Sammy yeah. lives in the largest city in Canada. So it's yeah. not like he was scrounging around to try to find these neglected DC fast chargers. He's like ground cent- ground zero central spot for electric cars in the country. If, if people are going to be buying them, they're going to be buying them here. And the, the infrastructure that supports them is, in a word, horrendous. Semi, I saw some of the photos that you sent me of what you encountered when you were out there. And all I could picture was like... <laughs> Like, you know those those movies where they have to defuse a bomb and the, yeah. the bomb defusing person is like sweating buckets with these tiny, you know, like they're about to touch these two wires together yes, and make sure. Yeah. All I could think of is that was you reaching for these handles, like sweating buckets, trying not to be electrocuted by the 10,000 volts that you were about to maybe run through your own body, question mark? So of the 10 stations I got, the worst by far is the one that you're you're referring to, which is a charge point station by um, our airport, our, our international airport. It had... Uh, thanks for specifying it's international. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you want to know that. Um, it had, I think... <laughs> Five stations charged five DC fast charging stations. All of them were broken. Every <laughs> single one was broken. And what's weird is that the handles, one was held together with duct tape. Another one. Wait, as wait, wait. I, yeah, I, I'm not yeah. an electrician, but is yeah. duct tape an insulator? <laughs> I had no clue. I, don't I looked think at it this. is. It looked insane. It was just wrapped up in duct duct tape. And the first time I looked at it, I didn't even think it twice. I didn't even realize it was duct tape. I thought it was just like a, a matte gray. It's the platinum cover. platinum plug. <laughs> yeah. Another one when you, at at the tip of the, the the plug that you would put into the vehicle, there are two <laughs> cables just exposed sticking out of this. <laughs> how many how many kilowatts of power go through these chargers? So these ones are 50 kilowatt chargers. I looked at this. And how I many like, kilowatts does it, I'm going to ask the internet how many kilowatts it takes to kill a human being. So please keep going. I looked at this and I said, oh no, that's not going to, that's not going to work. It's just not going to happen. I do not feel comfortable. Imagine I have to talk to Hyundai and be like, yeah, I put, I plugged a questionable charger into your car and now it's bricked, right? Like, I don't know what could possibly happen. None of these chargers worked. The what was worse was that the app, the ChargePoint app, was telling me that all of these chargers were available, um, and I should give it a go. Definitely did not. None of them turned on. None of them was was worth working working for. Um, but it just the the maintenance is probably the most significant issue with the DC fast charging system um, that I experienced here in in around in in and around Toronto. Um, just there are so many chargers that um, say they're working, aren't working, and no way to make them work. Um, I, I did pass one that I did use one that, based on the reviews, 
had some um, people who said that it wasn't working. And if it wasn't working, there is a giant lever on the side of a building that Wait, you have what? to flip. You know, <laughs> like, uh, you know, when, when you, when you, you know, like when you're a Looney Tunes cartoon, <laughs> yes, a red <laughs> lever on the side of the building. And like, it's not obvious. Like, it's really not obvious to like, just flip that switch. It'll be okay. And I'm like, yeah, thank goodness the charger was working. Thank goodness that switch is there. Imagine Another if that switch to- wasn't there. Yeah. Another thing to point out is that the charging experience um, in many cases just does not compare at all to what you'd experience when you're when you're at a gas station. I think a gas station sometimes doubles as a serv- as like a, as a rest stop, right? We can use the bathroom, we can hang out, we can chill out, we can check our messages, we can get some work done if we really needed to, we can get a snack. Um, there are so many very remote feeling DC fast chargers that don't have garbage bins that have really limited lighting that if you got caught in the rain or the snow you would be drenched if you were being stalked by a robot from the future yeah you'd be there's nowhere to hide like there'd be nowhere to hide nothing to do um and i honestly i think that sets a bad precedent as fast as these chargers are you could spend you know, an hour by in these places. And maybe and two weeks in the hospital immediately afterwards, depending <laughs> on which part of them you touch. So I, I I looked up how many watts it takes to kill a human being. It turns out that, you know, watts is not a good measurement of, <laughs> of electricity for murder purposes because right. watts right. are a derived measurement of power from voltage and current, which is volts and amps. And amps are what actually determines um, how fast you die or burn. <laughs> Well, oh volts de- well, volts determine how easily the electricity affects you. It only takes three to eight milliamps to stop the human heart. Uh, okay. But, like, to get that energy to the heart is, like, I think the volt, the voltage aspect. So I was like, all right, 50 kilowatts, how many how many amps is that in the charger? So a 50, a 50 kilowatt charger has a 100 to 125 amp power source, um, which is more than enough to do some really bad stuff to you because I mean at home like a regular wall wall socket could kill you if you were careless a 220 volt receptacle like you would see these things being plugged into would do that as well so basically this is a dangerous amount of electricity it's not something you want to mess around with when you see something like exposed wires or duct tape which is a great conductor who on earth and I wanted I, I I kept thinking back to this duct taped charge handle who did that like who exactly. showed up who did, got called did, is this a charge point maintenance person was like ah it'll be okay it'll be here's here's what we'll do i or a very desperate nissan leaf user was like <laughs> i got it i got it i got this i'm very bad at my job but i do have some duct tape yeah i if, if you're if you're curious about voltage if um industrial and commercial voltages over a thousand volts which is called medium voltage it can reach out from an exposed energized conductor to your body from 26 inches away and and arc to you 10,000 volts which is what high voltage is is referred to that's like high tension transmission lines when you see those up in the air there's actually no insulation around them because they'll transmit between 8 to 15 feet through open air to another conductor that's why they're so far apart up in the air all right now so all this okay. to say, so um, the 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 things to talk about with these chargers were um, some of them uh, are offline; they just weren't working. I couldn't connect to them, I couldn't plug them in, I couldn't access them on the on the network that they're supposed to be on. Many of them had busted handles; like the handles themselves looked like they had gone through some 
like a war, like honestly, you think a war. people run them over. Like, what do you think happens? Is it just remember how payphones used to be just constantly vent? Okay, remember yeah. payphones? Question mark. I'm sure there are people listening who've never used a payphone, and that's actually great because they weren't they weren't fantastic, but um, they seem to be always vandalized, like in very creative ways too. People yeah. went out of their way to do something nasty to a payphone. <laughs> And do you think people are just going out of their way to mess up these charges? I don't for everybody? know. Well, you definitely I, have honestly, to go out of your way because they dropped. Be- I think somebody like clumsily they had their they were holding a like dropped me, it when where I use- though. Like it's like a four foot drop to the pavement. It's not like you're charging <laughs> yeah. over lava. <laughs> I I honestly every time I use a charger, I think that they're actually a little bit clumsier than they look. They're not as I think the cables are not as malleable. I guess as or flexible as um, a fuel pump, um, which means to say, when you need to plug it in, you have to like, you have to like use some 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 effort. But here's um, my question to you: If you went to a gas station and there yeah. was a fuel pump that had duct tape on it, <laughs> yeah. you would not you you would go to another gas station, right? You would I not guess risk so, it. But yeah, but you can't do that with with electric cars because there's probably not another charging station anywhere near you. You have to you have to put your life at risk and grab this thing that maybe works, maybe is going to kill you, maybe is going to cause a huge blackout in your town. But if it works, man, what what? That's high risk, high Sa- reward. Sammy, if there's a big blackout in your town, just go around the corner and there's a big switch and you just flip the switch up and flip it down <laughs> and everything switch. is fine. Oh, uh, thank goodness I read that review. Um, another thing to talk about is the um, the apps. I had a, a bunch of different apps that uh, indicated what charges were available or, or, or unavailable. Um, even some of them got that situation wrong. They were saying they were available. They weren't. I would call. They, would, they can't do anything about it. Um, some apps really stressed me out by saying they had four stations, but when I got there were only two. Each station had two plugs. One was a, uh, a CCS2 charger, or I mean a CCS combo dro- charger um, that my Ionic used, and the other one was a Chatamo charger. But that's not four plugs. Those are two different stations. You can't plug two cars at the same time into those into that one station. You know what I mean? Now, if you do, you think someone with the duct so tape? So one person used to stop it with the duct tape. You kit. think they tried to make one one super super port <laughs> with a with an exacto knife and some duct tape? Yeah, for sure. I think they got this. They 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 looked it up on YouTube for sure, and they said, "Can I get uh, ultra charging over over this rather than just DC fast charging?" Um, another thing to note is that cables, some of them were not long enough, and I'd have to re I'd have to repark the the Ionic. As you know, the Ionic has a single charge point. It's on the passenger side rear of the vehicle. Um, other vehicles tend to put it a little bit more central, sometimes at the rear or the front grille. Um, and some cars like um, the Audi e-tron GT or uh, Porsche Taycan have two charge ports, one on each side. Um, and I saw some people who, who had to, as well, they had to move their vehicle, get closer. And some of them had to take up a couple of spots to park perpendicular to the, um, to the station. And if you had had a trailer. Yeah, you'd be, you'd be completely, uh, inaccessible here. You'd have to park the trailer somewhere else and then come and charge, which I don't think is, is a reasonable or practical approach to this. Um, another thing to talk about the, the other thing that doesn't, didn't work. Consistent, consistently was um, payments. 
This is stressful. I'm really disappointed in that um, paying for a charge, paying for a charge can be so messed up. Um, maybe the charger was not working, and I had to authorize a payment, and it didn't work. It didn't. It didn't go through. I tried using the the app. I tried use tapping my card on on whatever stations accepted it. But sometimes you didn't. It just didn't work, and you'd end up looking at your statements and you'd see these plus minus fifty bucks, and you're like this. This is not reasonable, right? It, it, the, it need, we need to have faith that the system works before I want to pay for it, right? Oh, yeah, Or definitely. authorize. So I'm, I'm a bit disappointed by, by these experiences, but there are a couple of uh, positives. There are some stations that are put in um, convenient locations, like in malls or in shopping centers, that do have um, places to use a bathroom or eat or, or do something while your vehicle is charging or even have Wi-Fi um, available, which is very handy. Um, I did get pretty decent charge rates for the for the stations that supported fast charge, like really fast charging, like 150 or uh, 350, which is very nice. And I do think that um, in in regions that see inclement weather, especially rain or snow, that we need to start having some shelter with these with these vehicles because I uh, with these charge stations because getting in and out to 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 deal with this is not it, it can be it can just be a mess like no, it really I agree can with be you. and i've even been at some of the stations that have cover and the cover is not great like yeah i don't know it's it's odd because realistically you're only going to be outside the car to plug in right but yeah. to plug in and pay which is similar to what you have at a gas station but the rest of the time you're going to spend it inside the vehicle but you spend so much more time there than you would at a gas station so i would like it to be a little bit more protected but like even more than that, to me, I feel like I spend more time trying to figure out the charger. Like, is that weird? Like, I, I am looking at this screen. Does this does the does the touch screen work? What is the name of the charger if I need to activate it on my on the app? I need to like, I need to have good visibility. I need to be close to the charger. I need to plug it into the thing. I need to make sure everything is is you know talking to each other. Yes. And I and I just didn't have that confidence over ten charge station 10 dc fast charge stations um i would say about half of them were were acceptable experiences um and maybe two were were as expected like that's what i was expecting they needed to be this good um and then a number of them were just duds complete duds i would say two or or three were not that good um i really hope that something goes on here i don't know if we're just looking at the early investors people who got either um, incentives to make put up these stations and then didn't care about it once they were up. That's why the maintenance is so bad, why there's no amenities nearby, um, and why they just don't care, really. Um, and I wonder if new generation charger charge stations will be better. I hope so, but I haven't seen that yet. So what am I supposed to say, right? Yeah, it's uh, there's no unified front. It's We have all sorts of different factors that are weighing in here. I mean, a gas station has the advantage of owning its own land and or in most cases owning its own land and being able to control that land whereas a charging station is placed on someone else's land a lot of the time and they're they're either leasing that spot or they have some type of business agreement or relationship with that company and they don't really have the ability to do whatever they want right like they have to fit in with what's around them they have to be close enough to the great big reset switch so that it can be useful if they need to use it but it's 
we're we're still in that world where things aren't normalized enough, where these charging stations are often viewed as afterthoughts or additions to existing infrastructure rather than being infrastructure themselves. And I yeah. saw that. So there's a the, what the last point I want to make about this is there's a huge difference between where you live and where I live and how this is approached. And when I, I we talked about it in the summer when I went to Toronto with a Mach E and discovered yep. I couldn't tra- I couldn't charge on the street in, in Toronto. There's nowhere where there's just a charging station, like a a level two where you plug in while you're park paying for parking and you go do your shopping and come back. It's everything's on private land. Everything's just as I described. It's in a parking garage or at a dealership or something here in Montreal. The infrastructure is a lot more public in the sense that I can reasonably expect to wherever I am in the city within two or three blocks, there is a level two charger on the street. And when I pay for that charging, I pay like a dollar an hour and I don't pay for parking at the same time. Yeah, I love that. There are places in Toronto, downtown Toronto, where you have to pay to get into the charging into the into the parking infrastructure and then pay for the hourly charge, like DC fast charging. I had to do that when I was and you're like. What is a $6 parking ticket ended up being like 30 bucks, right? Yeah. So it's I, a $6 parking ticket. I mean, I've paid $20 to get in to do this kind of thing. Uh, and then another 20 for the charge. Exactly. So that's unacceptable. I bring this up because these are the two largest cities in Canada and they have yeah. two completely different approaches to public charging infrastructure. So if, if, if that isn't even on the same page, then you start to throw in private companies that are doing this and it becomes a very big mess. Absolutely. I, I, I mean, I just I'm not trying to say this because there are people who I think will say this, will hear this and say, wow, e- like EVs suck. The infrastructure is the limiting factor, I think. It's the EV I experience really, that is a problem, not the yeah. EVs themselves. I think that's something that we need to drive home. And I think you, for example, you've got this new um, home charging station at, that that helps considerably, I think. Um, it, it just re- gives you that confidence that you have that charge uh, that range from home or, I've or gone, next morning. I've gone from stressing out about how I'm going to have an EV in my life for a week to looking forward to it because it's no longer a problem whatsoever. It has figuring me- out how to, how I'm going to get that full charge. That exactly. Full experience. Exactly. The Knowing- only difference is when you're going to go on those long trips and you have to rely on a on a DC fast charge. But at the, at the very least, now when I go on those long trips, I know I'll start with 100 percent charge. Yeah, which is and, something and, the, and you can end up at home with one percent yeah at the end of the day i don't have to that's the thing too right like before when i would come back from a long trip there's another step i'd have to find a charger i'm already tired i just want to be done i just want to go to bed but no i had to find a charger to make sure when i brought the car back the next day i was or if i needed to drive it somewhere the next day it was able to do that and now i don't have to worry about that yeah so i i truly believe that they're uh, excellent for people who have the access to a level two charger at home or a, a home charger um, or at work, I think this is the number one, and I do think that's that's a reasonable expectation. I think that a number of people can find a way to to make that work. I can't. I live in a condo, and uh, there are there's a lot of red tape and and presentations and business cases you have to present to a condo business board. Business cases, yeah, to to get this um, kind of work approved, and it just seems like it's more trouble than it's worth. And hopefully, um, my next place, wherever that is, will have the accommodations for a, a level two charger at home, which will help make this experience a little less frequent. The, these de- relying on the DC fast charging experience 
um, less frequent. So if if anyone out there listening to us has any experiences with charging that they want to share or any tricks or tips that they've learned? Um, I mean, obviously we charge mostly in Canada, so I'm very curious as to what the charging situation is like in the United States uh, in specifically areas that um, are near major cities versus those that are a lot more rural. You can get in touch with us in a number of ways. Um, the easiest way to do it is to uh, is to go to our website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. You can send us a submission through the form there, clickety-click, and it ends up in our inbox. You can also email us the old-fashioned way, benjamin at benjaminhunting.com. It arrives in the same fashion. If you want to get a hold of us on social media, you can do that uh, in a couple of ways. Sammy is on the cesspool that is Twitter. We frantically just cling to that last lifeline. Um, it is at Sammy underscore hot, like you're laughing. You can find me on Instagram. I'm at Hunting Benjamin. And uh, Sammy, um, if people want to subscribe to the podcast, how can they do that? Well, they can go to the website, uh, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. And there's a bunch of little buttons at the top of that. You click on them uh, and you'll be subscribed. Or you can just search for us on your podcast client or podcatcher as you will. Just search for us, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. All right. Um, or we'll, we'll do the trick. Sammy, what are you going to be talking about next week when we come back? Um, I'm going to be on a road trip to Ireland, so hopefully um, I get to tell you what the what the experience is like there. All right, and I am going to be talking about the Chevrolet Silverado ZR2, which is a really intriguing alternative, as I mentioned or hinted at earlier, to the TRX and the Raptor. All right, I'm looking forward to it. And we also have some special holiday... Um, giveaway to talk about next next week hopefully yeah. assuming everything goes right we have uh, yeah we have something <laughs> fun that we want to something fun that we want to do and we hope that you'll enjoy it so uh we will be back soon and thank you for listening all right bye <laughs>